Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. Tuesday, we talked about the necessity of the anointing. We talked about how to increase the anointing. We talked about how to release the anointing. However, you can have electricity in your house. You can have your bills paid to provide electricity in the house. And you can have electricity running through your walls. But if you don't have any any appliances, that electricity is going to go to waste. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are the appliances of heaven that allow us to harness the power of God in a specific direction to produce a specific result. So this is gonna, this teaching is gonna help you today how to be used by God in a more effective, practical way. We talk about miracles. We talk about God healing people. We talk about prophecy. We talk about words of knowledge. We talk about how God has done it in the Bible and we're gonna go through uh, times where God has done that. However, how can you do that? How can you release those gifts in your own life the gifts of the holy spirit are not for a specific uh, group of people within the body of christ they are not for the elite they are not for the apostles only they were not for the early church only i hate when people say that the gifts of the spirit cease when the apostles died out and now god doesn't necessarily need to do things that way we have other things that uh, enable us to grow the church what a prideful statement if the holy ghost was born in fire i mean if the church was born in fire if the church was sustained and grew in fire then it's going to need we're gonna have to have we're gonna need the holy ghost his help his gifts his fruit and everything he brings to the table if we're gonna continue to grow in 2021 these are not irrelevant stories these are not irrelevant historical documents that we can go back and read and they bless our hearts but other than that it doesn't do any good no these stories the book of acts was designed not to be a museum for us to visit but it's a blueprint for us to implement in every generation and if we do that we will see the same results of the book of acts so please help me share this and we're going to get straight straight into it hi Susanna, cindy kayla david on youtube esther sadie angela dora jolene carisha valerie jaylise or jaylis forgive me if i pronounce that wrong anthony on youtube david on youtube yari nessa melissa god bless you all erica jc Please share this broadcast. Help me get the, the word out to as many people as possible. Let's get in this 1 Corinthians chapter 12. How do we activate the gifts of the Holy Spirit in our life? You know, a lot of people, <laughs> there's some denominations that when they talk about the gifts of the Spirit, they'll literally give people an assessment, like a, like a test that they can, they, can they can fill out the form and then at the end it'll generate what gift of the Spirit you have. That's not how it works. That's not how, that's, Paul wasn't going around to the different churches he preached at and giving, uh, handing out forms and telling them, if you could just fill this out, I'm going to tell you what gift of the Spirit you have. The gifts of the Spirit are not, to, uh, you know, badges that we wear badges of honor rewards for service that as you grow in god these rewards just naturally get piled up that's not how the gifts of the spirit function the gifts of the spirit are not you know you loading up your tool belt with a bunch of different tools and then um you know, you can just pull out each tool at use at no matter where you are, no matter what you've done, no matter uh, who you're ministering to, you know, you can just pull them out, you know, as if they're just, they're just there on the, at disposal. 
uh, available and ready just to pull out and use. That's not how the gifts of the Spirit come. That's not how the gifts of the Spirit operate. That's not how they function. And we can see that throughout the Scripture. The gifts of the Spirit, people always talk about, you know, which one is the greater gift? Well, that guy has the working of miracles, so he's at a higher level than someone who's just working on tongues. Or that guy has the gifts of healing. He must be more anointed than the one who has just a simple word of knowledge. That's not That, that also is a false perspective of the gifts of the Spirit. You know what the best gift is? The best gift is the gift and the tool that you need in the present moment that you find yourself in to either a get yourself out of a jam or b help someone else or c get someone saved the gift of the spirit that the most that is the most essential the one that is the most needed the one that is the most important for the time that you're in is the one the one that's going to help the most uh, given the situation you're you're facing you know like if you're evangelizing towards somebody and uh, they're not sick in their body, the gifts of healing don't really have much use in that case. But you know what might work is a gift of prophecy because they might be depressed. They might have anxiety. And prophecy, the Bible says, is for edification, exhortation, and for comfort. It'll lift their spirits up. I've seen many times people that come to the altar and get saved in our meetings. They've come up to me afterwards. They weren't sick. They didn't have some marriage problems. They didn't have uh, necessarily any uh financial problems so they didn't need any working of miracles or physical healing but what they did did need what they what they had need of was an uplifting in their spirits they they were they were depressed they were downcast they were despondent they were just living life without any 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 direction and so prophecy came on and it exhorted them it gave them edification and built them up it showed them that if god before you who can be against you that's what prophecy does it, it literally infuses confidence in god and as a result they got saved so the gift that is the most needed in the hour that you face yourself that, that you're faced with or the hour that you're in right now is the gift that is going to either a get yourself out of a jam b help others or c the gift that is going to get people saved around you so i want to start off with first corinthians chapter 12 verse 1 the bible says now concerning spiritual gifts brethren i don't want you to be ignorant I'm going to stop there because the very, the very first thing Paul says to the Corinthian church before he even moves on to dive deeper into the functionality of these gifts is I don't want you to be ignorant that they even exist. And if you study the Greek spiritual gifts, the actual Greek is pneumatikos, which he's talking about the things of the spirit or the way the spirit manifests, the way the spirit operates, the way the spirit does things when he manifests, when he shows up, this is what, this is what will happen. This is how you can tell it's a, the Holy Ghost at work and not some foreign spirit. Because remember, we go on to verse 2. He says, you know that you were Gentiles. You were carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. He was talking to a society that was formerly sold into pagan worship. They were full of demon worship. They were full of, and if you study the full, of, the full book of Corinthians, they were eating at the table of demons and at the table of God at the same time. And he saw, he's pretty much telling the Corinthian church, I don't want you to bring in the old and mix it in with the new. I don't want you to try and put this new wine into your old wineskins of sin and idolatry. I don't want you to get mixed up on the different manifestations that might be happening in your in your meetings and he goes on to say this is the distinct dis distinctive or the distinguishing factor of uh, whether you'll see if it's the flesh demon spirits or the holy ghost and he says that i make known to you that no one speaking by the spirit of god will 
will call Jesus a curse. You'll not curse. I mean, if you've ever dealt with a demon-possessed person, a lot of times they'll curse God. They'll curse you. They'll curse God. They'll curse the blood of Jesus. They'll curse the name of Jesus. They'll try and do anything to try and intimidate you and get you to back off. Paul is saying here to the Corinthian church, if that starts happening, you can absolutely know that you know this isn't a manifestation of the Spirit of God, neither of His gifts. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Here, he's not saying that... um, if, if, if someone is demon-possessed, they can't say the words, Jesus is Lord. They don't have an ability to say the words, Jesus is Word. They can't make structure that sentence together. That's not what Paul was saying. He's saying that when the gifts of the Holy Ghost start manifesting, it's going to exalt Jesus Christ. It's going to lift up and glorify Jesus Christ. People are going to come to Christ. People are going to gravitate towards Christ. That's why the first thing I want to get into you, especially if you're a minister of the gospel, if you're a pastor that's watching right now, and you've been you've bought into the lie that manifesting these gifts, letting these gifts flow in your soul, service is going to hurt the body then you do not you you need to listen in you need to hear this teaching because the gifts of the spirit do not harm they edify the gifts of the spirit do not bring destruction or disaster they develop the body of christ and they bring an in uh, an increased intimacy with christ the gifts of the spirit do not lead to less numbers in your church you know I, you know i believe in tongues and i believe in healing and i believe in miracles but uh ultimately you know i only do that on my own time on sunday morning we get down to business and business only and you know uh we we, we don't let that we don't let that that fire come out just in case it gets a little wild you know people talk like that and they really are 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 offending and grieving the Holy Spirit. And that's why in their services, they don't have anybody healed. And they don't have anybody saved. There's no miracles. There's nobody getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Spirit is not going to show up where he's tolerated. The Holy Spirit is going to show up where he is honored, where he is desired, where he is craved for, where he is, he is earnestly sought after. He does not go where he's tolerated. He doesn't show up where people are just going to, uh, you know, the moment he starts man- manifesting they're gonna like uh get some some water or some hose and just start watering it out they don't want any fire and just for the sake we don't have wildfire we don't want any fire when you act like that you forfeited all fire now i understand there are people you know the devil has a counterfeit to everything that god that god god does authentically there's a counterfeit you know and and we're gonna get into that a little more as i go through the gifts individually But I don't fear the counterfeit to the point where I'm not going to let the authentic flow. And if you understand that the Bible says that God is a God of order and not confusion, and you carry yourself in authority and understand as a minister, especially who's overseeing a service, that you can can take charge over not only demon spirits, but human, the human spirit. Sometimes it's the human spirit that wants to be seen. There are people who, you know, they burst out in tongues every single service. And uh, it's the same message, same interpretation, and it never changes. It's been like that since 1979, and they still do it because they want to be seen as a super spiritual, super prophet, super great anointed minister of God. And so... As a minister, you have to be able to discern those things. And we're going to talk about that when we get to the discerning of spirits. But when you understand how to discern, and you know, there's some people who are generals at doing this. Pastor Rodney Howard Brown in, in Tampa Bay, Florida is a general at doing this. He can tell when it's the flesh, when it's, the, when it's carnal. He can tell when it's demonic, and he knows when it's, when it's the spirit. Kenneth Hagin used to do, was like a general. He'd put an end to it. Evan Roberts during the Welsh revival, they would have people that would um, begin prophesying. 
while they would they, there'd be a song going or whatnot and someone would get up take take uh take the the take the pulpit and start prophesying and people were blessed but sometimes other people just wanted to have uh you know 15 minutes of fame and they would get up try quote-unquote prophesying and evan roberts or one of the elders would literally get up tap him on the shoulder and said, sir or woman, this is not God. This is your own flesh. Please sit down. And they'd sit down. Nobody was offended. They tried to do it. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the spirit of God. Nobody was offended. And then the spirit continued flowing and people continued getting blessed. And that revival went on for many years. So you have to learn if you're a minister watching right now, you know, if you had fire in your basement, if I just said there's fire in the basement and you ran downstairs and then you saw your furnace that heats up the rest of your house and in the furnace there's fire, you wouldn't get worried, you wouldn't get anxious, you wouldn't begin to panic and lose your mind because the fire has been contained and it's as it's in the right place and as such it is it is fulfilling its purpose. It's providing heat and warmth for the rest of the house. If I told you there's fire in the basement and you walk downstairs and your whole rug on the in your carpet carpeting was on fire and the fire was growing then you'd panic then you'd call a fire department to try and put out the fire and and um and, and you know deal with the situation at hand so that's a huge difference when the fire is in its place it produces blessing it produces results it produces what God is calling, the fruit God called us to produce. When the fire gets out of its place, when people start to do things out of place or they start to do things at the wrong time, you know, you can, you can genuinely have a word of prophecy for a church. You start doing it at a wrong time, it, it won't bring the blessing that it could have brought had you waited for when the Holy Spirit told you to go. So when the fire is being controlled properly, it's going to bless the house. When the fire is out of control and the minister doesn't know how to bring it back into control, then it loses its purpose. The gifts of the Spirit can either be the most helpful tools that God has given the church or if people do it in ignorance, if people try and function in these gifts in ignorance and not in a skillful manner and not having proper understanding of the Word of God and how they function through the Scriptures, that's when things can come out of hand. That's why it's important to tune into this to this broadcast, everything I've learned, you can you can buy the book yourself. I've learned it from Lester Sumrall, Gifts and Ministries of the Holy Spirit. I have it right behind me, and from Kenneth Hagen, the Gifts and Ministries of the Holy Spirit. That, or I think the book is called The Holy Spirit and His Gifts. Everything I've learned comes from those books, and then there's other books too that I have. But the dominant uh, content that I'm going to be giving you today come from those books. So this is not something new. And if you study Lester Sumrall's books, you're going to find out he got the revelation from Howard Carter. Before Howard Carter, now get this in your in your spirit today, because this shows you how how you know if you're ignorant to these things, how much the church at large is going to suffer. Before Howard Carter, people saw the gifts of the Spirit as like natural abilities. So if you had the gifts of healing, you were a physical doctor. You knew how to properly perform surgeries. You knew how to make medicine. You knew how to do all those things well. And people would get physically healed or physically treated uh, from those things, from those remedies that you would, you would you know, concoct. If you, were, if you had the word of knowledge, you just had a, a keen ability to study things and memorize them. If you had the, the uh, working of, of miracles, you, uh, 
not the working of miracles, sorry. If you had the gift of tongues, you knew how to, you knew how to speak many languages. You were a linguist. You can, you can uh, study languages and just catch on real quick. It was all in the natural. But I want to remind you that these are not called the gifts of man. They're not called the gifts of the talented. The Bible says these are the gifts of the spirit. Every one of these gifts that I'm going to get into have a spiritual uh, source have a uh, heavenly dynamite and power that energizes them through the believer they are not human talent the gift of the, the word of wisdom is not somebody who knows how to give good advice that is not the word of wisdom and you know a lot of people misquote and they call it the gift of wisdom it's not the gift of wisdom it's not the ability to uh to be wise you're not turning into yoda when you get the gift of wisdom the word of wisdom is a fragment of god's wisdom and i'm going to get into that but it, everything has a supernatural tone to it everything has a supernatural factor without the holy spirit none of these gifts flow that's why the baptism in the holy ghost is the inauguration it is the inaugural event that brings you and ushers you in to the operation of these gifts. That's why it's important to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, people will probably ask me, well, you, you talk about you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit in order to be using these gifts. And uh, But I've seen people healed when I've laid hands on them. And I've seen people healed when I've, when I've talked to them about the gospel. Now, there's different ways you can be healed. You can be healed through the laying on of hands. James chapter 5, 14 through 17 talks about that. You can be healed by just faith. The Bible says, thy faith has made thee whole. Jesus told the woman with the issue of blood. The, you, can, you can see miracles happen by faith. He told the people, the two guys that were blind, he said, uh, because of your faith or because you have believed, let it be done to you. And their eyes were opened and they received their sight. So you can have miracles. You can see healings take place just just by faith or by following other uh, scriptural principles or scriptural practices and uh, scriptural um, ordinances that God has given the church. You know, the anointing of oil. You anoint someone, pray the prayer of faith. That'll, that'll get people uh, healed. However, there's another class, which is the gifts of healing, which is, you know, and I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it later. I'm like jumping the gun right now. That's when it's 100% the Holy Ghost manifesting in the service without anybody even laying hands on people people are coming out of wheelchairs without anybody even you know necessarily addressing a specific individual who might be there with brain cancer their cancer is being healed their diabetes is leaving whatever it might be and then there's you know we'll get into it but i want to go through First and foremost, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Listen to this. There are diversity of gifts, but the same spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4. So there's differences of gifts, but it's the same spirit. There are diversity of ministries, but it is the same Lord. And there's differences of operations or activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. I'm going to stop there. Paul is saying there are different gifts. Not everybody carries the same gifts or not everybody is flowing in the same gifts all at once but it's remember this it's the same spirit when these gifts that i'm about to list the nine gifts of the spirit start flowing it is the spirit of god that's why when uh, they started to tell uh, accuse jesus of being demon possessed or casting out demons because he was the prince of demons belial that he was literally satan in flesh jesus turned to them and he said 
If you speak a word of blasphemy against God the Father, it's going to be forgiven you. If you speak a word of blasphemy against the Son, it'll be forgiven you. But if you speak blasphemy against the Spirit, which he was saying, if you're attributing the work of the Spirit as the work of the devil, you are in danger of blaspheming the Holy Spirit to which there is no going back. It is an inexcusable, unforgivable sin because God cherishes his, the Holy Spirit. And so Paul is saying there are differences of gifts, but just because you see a gift that you've never seen in operation before, you shouldn't be quick to attribute that to the devil. And that's what happens a lot of times when you start to move out in the working of miracles, when you start to have a signs and wonders ministry, when you start to speak in tongues, immediately the religious tradition and the religiously brainwashed world immediately begins to accuse you of being meddling with demons. They think you go home and you light up candles to, you know, demon idols and you start, you know, doing incantations and stuff when in reality you've been fasting you've been praying you've been pressing into the things of God you've been studying how God's used other men in the scriptures and then throughout history and you've had a hunger and a passion and a craving for those things and as such without even you trying you're just preaching like Peter in Acts chapter 10 as he was preaching the Holy Spirit fell on those that heard the word and they were filled with the Holy Ghost it's not something I want to get something into you the gifts of the Spirit's not something you work up it's not something that you have to uh you know scream and get blue in the face before they start manifesting they're not something that you have to wear yourself out before they start taking root in your ministry in your life no if you fast if you pray if you crave if you desire earnestly the greater gifts the bible says covet earnestly the bible um, word for covet is zelu in the greek it literally means to have a burning passion for these things it means to go after them relentlessly without ever stopping with nothing backing you down when you have that these things these gifts these tools are going to naturally flow if you plant an apple tree does the apple tree as it grows as you water it as you 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 you, you fertilize it as you you do everything in a natural to make sure it grows as it grows and then the season comes for it to start producing fruit does the apple tree strain to produce an apple does the apple tree have to force itself to produce an apple does the apple tree have to squint in its eyes and squeeze and 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 pour a bunch of oil on itself before it starts producing an apple does the apple tree have to burn itself out no it naturally produces an apple jesus said in john 15 if you abide in me i am the vine and my father is the vine dresser if you abide in me and i abide in you you will bring forth much fruit He's not just talking. Everybody wants to be, you know, like Christ when it comes to character. And everybody talks about the body of Christ at large, talks about being Christ-like and imitating him in love, imitating him in peace, imitating him in self-control. And yes, Galatians 5 says we have to do that. And we do that. And as you press in in prayer, as you, as you uh, study the life and ministry of Jesus, that character just gets impressed on you. And naturally, you start to lose that hate you used to have before you got saved. You start to lose the envy. You start to lose the lack of self-control and outbursts of wrath and anger. You start to have more of a disciplined approach to life. Those are the fruit of the Spirit. But then nobody talks about the gifts of the Spirit. Jesus said, if you abide in me, you will bring forth much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Not only apart from Christ can we not love properly, but apart from Christ, we can't have any of these gifts flowing through us. So the way you have these gifts 
you know, manifest in a greater level is through your consecration and your devotion to the Lord in prayer, in fasting, in, 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 um, in studying the scriptures, in sitting in anointed meetings. As you do that, you're not going to have to stress for it to happen. And I guarantee there's some of you watching right now, there's some of you watching right now that you've had these gifts flow through you and you weren't even aware of it. You had these things happen in you and you weren't even aware of it. Some of you think you're a good encourager. Some of you think that you just know how to lift people's spirits up and it just comes naturally to you. And you thought that was just something you were wired, just born with. That's not, <laughs> that is not something people are born with. Trust me, I know it. There are, <laughs> especially in ministry, not every preacher is an encourager. A lot of people, by the time they're done preaching, if you had suicidal thoughts, you had a hundred times more suicidal thoughts after they were done preaching. So not everyone is a natural encourager. And it's not natural. It's the Holy Spirit that has put on you uh, the gift of prophecy to in, in order to inspire others, to inspire people to faith, to inspire people to encouragement, to build people's spirits up. And that's not something... So some of you have perhaps manifested these things some of you you look at someone and it's like you know everything that's gone wrong with them and it's not because you've seen their 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 downfall it's not because you've seen you might have even have met this person before but that's that's not some intuition you were born with that's the word of knowledge working through you we're going to get into that a little more i'm, I'm like jumping the gun a lot in this first corinthians chapter 12 so there's differences of ministries but the same lord that's, you know, people love to criticize, and I'll say it, people love to criticize guys like Joel Osteen, people love to criticize guys like Stephen Furtick, and they talk, uh, all they ever talk about is like courage, and, 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 and you're going to make it, all they, they never talk about sin, hell, which is not true, if you actually listen to, listen to them, they do bring those things up, and, and they make it very clear, if you actually took time to listen, you would see that. But Joel Osteen is an encourager. Barnabas, literally in the scriptures, was a son of encouragement. His ministry was to encourage others. His ministry was to bring life where there was death. He didn't, there, you know, and then there's others on the flip side, you know, like, I won't give any names because frantically they're just not coming up to my mind right now. But there's a lot of ministries that all they do is talk about hell and fire and doom and disaster. And I don't criticize them either. You know, God has given each man his message. Jonah's message. He said, I'm going to send you to preach to the Ninevites the preaching that I bid thee to preach. So Jonah had a message. He had a ministry. He had a specific assignment for Nineveh. People would have looked at Jonah and said, oh, oh, he's just a doom and gloom preacher. No, he had a specific message to carry out for his generation. And God blessed it and people got saved and people got... I, I could tell you a, a lot of... My brother... Had the things of God come to light to him as he listened to Joel Osi on XM satellite radio in his car. He just started listening to him because he was encouraging and, you know, he got him through the day and stuff. But then after a while, spiritual things started to dawn on him. He started to get conviction, convicted of sin, convicted of righteousness, convicted of, of judgment before God. And he gave his light, life to the Lord. And now he's a full on fire Christian who's a board member at the church I go to. Within like four years, all that happened. Five years or something like that. So don't, just because they have a different ministry, the Bible says it's the same Lord. And the Bible says, do not malign a servant to his master, lest the master curse you and you found guilt, you're found guilty. So if someone is, do, is, is in a ministry that you, you, you know, you're just not attracted to, just leave them be. Unless they're preaching that Jesus did not come in the flesh, unless they're preaching that Jesus was not born of a virgin, that he did not die, 
and rise again, unless they're preaching the, the, the core fundamentals of our gospel, of the gospel as according to Christ, leave them be. You're not the watchman on the hour to go after every doctrine or every person you don't really agree with. You know, that's mainly, and I'm going to get into this, that's mainly why the gifts of the Spirit don't function at large in the body of Christ. People are so, uh, no unity. There's disunity interwoven throughout many churches, and the Bible says that only when there's unity can the oil be poured upon our heads. Psalm 133, how blessed are the... Uh, is the brethren who dwells together in unity, it is like the oil that is poured on Aaron's beard. So there has to be unity. If everybody is so intent on calling out everybody's slip of doctrine, everybody, you know, they, things that aren't salvific. I mean, I'll get into this. There are diversities of operations, but it's the same God who's working all in all. You had people that criticized Smith Wigglesworth because of the way he healed people or God would use him to heal people. Other people would lay hands on them very gently. Smith Wigglesworth would ball up his fist and punch people. He punched tumors off people. John G. Lake took his hand and slapped a woman's, slapped a woman's uh, stomach who had a, a massive football-sized tumor on it, and it fell off two days later. Today, they would have been like, oh, that can't be of God. He was way too rough on that person. God would never be that rough. Jesus spat on the ground, made clay with it, and wiped it on a man's eyes and said, go and wash and see. Today, they would have said, now, what kind of insensitive person that Jesus is, spitting on the ground and then putting it on, their, on a blind man's eyes. I mean, the guy's going through a rough time as it is. Do you really think he needed spit spread across his eyes? But there are diversity of operations. It's the same God who worketh all in all. There, there's a minister I know. He was ministering. He was preaching. I don't know where he was. Somewhere in the United States. And the Lord spoke to him. Jump off the platform and jump kick that guy in the front row right in the chest. And he said, I, I won't do that. And the Lord said, do it. So he, <laughs> imagine this happening at a service near you. He jumps off the platform, runs at full speed towards this guy who you can imagine if that's you, what, what are you thinking? You're, you're absolutely not thinking that he's about to jump kick you. You're thinking he's going to pass you right by or maybe he's going to the guy behind you and that's why he's going so fast. No, he, Cobra Kai, <laughs> karate kid, jump kicks him right in the stomach and the guy flies to, uh, into his seat. Well, the next day, that guy comes up to the, minute, the preacher and says, you didn't know this, not even my wife knew this. I went to the doctor this week and he said I had a, a heart condition that I absolutely needed surgery on. And if I didn't get the surgery, I, I would potentially, like, more likely than not die bef before the decade or whatever it was. He wasn't going to live a long time because of this heart condition. I didn't tell my wife because I didn't want him to get scared. I was just trusting on the Lord. So when he, he said specifically, the Lord told him to specifically target his chest. When he did that, he said, ever since that uh, yesterday, I haven't had any of those alarming heart symptoms. And he's been healed to this day. God did that. So if you judge people based on how they're working the miracle, you're going to lose sight of the actual miracle. Let's stop focusing on the minor differences and look at the major impact that's taking place through these gifts in operation in our life so if there's no unity nothing will flow and then number two if there's no love for people these gifts will be uh 
they'll be clogged up. Remember, you are just a pipeline. You are not the power. You are not the, 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 you are not the dynamite. You're not the energy. You're the pipeline. Just like a, a sink faucet can't boast about its power to generate water, all it can do is allow the water flow through him and get to the cup or to get to the bowl or get to wherever the, the water needs to go. The water, the faucet can't start getting haughty and prideful and saying, you know, if it wasn't for me, there'd be no water. No, the water is there. You're just the vessel that the water uses to get to the cup, to get to the, to the plate or to get to wherever the water needs to get. In the same vein, we're just pipelines. We're just the faucet. We don't boast about anything that we have. That's why in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are going to the gate called beautiful uh, they're going to the temple and they pass by the gate called beautiful and there's a man there who's lame from his mother's womb who looking on peter and john lifted their hand he lifted his hands up and expected to receive donations or charity from him peter and john said silver and god and gold we do not have but such as we do have not such as we are such as we do have we give unto you in the name of jesus christ of nazareth get up and walk when that happened he, they seized him from the right hand, worked a miracle. The guy was supernaturally made whole. His muscles that had atrophied became strong again. Muscles began to form. Because remember, this guy hadn't walked since his mother's womb. This guy never walked a day in his life. So his muscles had been, there was no muscle there. They, he probably had two sticks for legs. So that miracle didn't just get him up for him to just fall flat the next step he took because he has no muscles developed. There was a supernatural regeneration of the muscles in his legs that enabled him to run, leap, and walk and praise God. And when the crowd assembled in front of them, Peter and John said, why look on us as though by our own godliness or power we have made this man to walk? No, it's through faith in his name. The faith which comes by him has given this man perfect soundness in the presence of you all. So you can either clog the pipeline or you can be a, an open pipeline for that, that oil of miracles and the oil of the gifts of the Spirit to flow through you. And love is what guarantees that you're a cleared pipeline. And I'll, I'll read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. The Bible says, Though I speak with tongues of men or of angels, but have not love, I have become a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and I have all knowledge, and though I could have all faith, but I, and so as to remove all mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If you hate people, you'll never help people. If you hate people, you'll never help people. These gifts are not given to people who want to be noted as historical figures of, here's the man of the hour, the man of miracles. That's not why these gifts are given. And if you have that mentality, you're not going to receive any of them. They'll never flow through your life. But if you have the, the heart of Jesus, who when he looked on the multitudes, he saw them as sheep without shepherds, dispirited and distressed. And as a result, the scripture says, he called them to himself, he preached, he teach, and he healed every kind of sickness and every kind of disease amongst the people. Matthew chapter 8, 1 through 3, a leper comes to Jesus who, who knows how he looked. Maybe he had skin that had fallen off. Maybe some of his fingers were decaying and he had like three out of five fingers on one hand. Who knows what he looked? And the Bible says what he looked like. When the Bible says that he approached Jesus, he said, Lord, if you can make me clean, I know you can make me clean. 
I mean, if you're, sorry, if you're willing to make me clean, I know you can make me clean. Jesus felt compassion for him. He stretched out his hand, touched him and said, I will be thou made whole, be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. So you see what unlocked that gift of healing in that particular situation. And if you study Jesus's ministry, every other situation was an, uh, uh, an undying compassion towards mankind. God is love, and he that abides in love abides in God and God in him. If you don't abide in love, you don't abide in God, and God can abide in you. The Bible says if you say you love God, love is not mere confession, love is action. Do not love merely in word, but in action and in truth, in deed and in truth. Your love is only in truth when it's followed up by action. And as believers... Understand this, the gifts of the Spirit empower us to leave the realm of sympathy and, and pity for people. Love is not pitying people. Love is not having sympathy for people. Love is not feeling bad for someone. That is not love. Jesus did not show love by feeling bad for mankind. The Bible says he came, born of a virgin, and he was anointed by the Holy Ghost to heal those that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So the gifts of the Spirit empower us to leave the realm of sympathy and pity and enter into the realm of where we're actually able to help mankind. That's why Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and he said, the multitudes are too great, the, la the harvest is too great and too large and the laborers are too few. It's really just me working out here. So what did he do? He gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of sickness and disease amongst the people. In the early church, Acts chapter 2, on to the end. You see different manifestations and different occurrences where these gifts flowed through the apostles and through those who weren't apostles. Like Stephen was not an apostle, but the Bible says great signs and wonders and miracles were wrought by his hands. So love needs to be in place if we're going to be used by God in the area, in this area of the supernatural. Remember, the only thing that distinguishes us from every other religion on the earth are these gifts, is the power of God at work. Paul said, if Christ didn't rise from the dead, if God's power wasn't real, then we are of utmost to be pitied of all men. But if Christ did rise from the dead and Jesus said, I'm going to send the same spirit into you so that the works you saw me do, you will do and greater works shall you do because I'm going to the Father. If that's true, then these things should be effortlessly flowing through us. So I want to go through very quickly the nine gifts of the spirit. I'm going to focus on six or seven of them predominantly because these are the ones people, I think, have the hardest time understanding. There's different category of gifts. So there's nine gifts of the Spirit, but there are different categories of the gifts of the Spirit. There is the revelation gifts. There are the power gifts. And then there are the gifts of inspiration. The revelation gifts are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. This is when God reveals supernaturally to man that which could not be known by natural 
by the natural senses. It's not something you studied. It's not something you learned. It's not something you saw, you heard. It's not something you're able to understand in, in your own mind or comprehensive abilities. They are things that are given to men supernaturally by the working of the Holy Spirit. The revelation gifts. Number one is the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom. This is a revelation of the prophetic future. I'm going to read this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is going to help you. Because a lot of people confuse the word of wisdom with prophecy. And uh, I'm going to show you why the gift that the prophets operated in, in the Old Testament was not prophecy per se. It was the word of wisdom. Why do we know that? 1 Corinthians 2.6. However, we speak wisdom amongst those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, the hidden wisdom... Sorry, not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, which are coming to nothing. We speak the wisdom of God the, in, a, in a mystery, sorry. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom. That's very key in what I'm about to say about the word of wisdom. It is the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Paul is saying there were prophets that prophesied of the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, and that that was a, 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 um, a function of the hidden wisdom of God through the prophets who inquired of the grace of God that would be revealed to us in Christ. So by this gift of this, the, the, the word of wisdom, a fragment of God's hidden wisdom, What's that wisdom? It's, a, it's the wisdom of the future. What is God's wisdom? God knows the future better than we know the past. And so when God gives a fragment of this wisdom, a word of this wisdom, He is revealing to you events that have not yet taken place, but will take place in their time. Jesus operated in this word of wisdom. Matthew chapter 24, the Bible says, when He was talking about the end times, he said, take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name. He's talking about a futuristic event. He's talking about, if you read the full chapter, the desolation of the temple at Jerusalem. He talked about many embanking around Jerusalem and that the walls of the temple, one, not one stone would be left upon another. That happened in 70 AD when uh, the emperor of Rome ordered a strike against Jerusalem and took down the walls of the temple and then burnt them so that they can retrieve the gold that was in the crevices of the temple walls. That happened. Jesus was operating. He was not prophesying. Now, when we talk about prophecy, remember, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, prophecy is for edification, for exhortation, and for comfort. It edifies. It builds people up. It's telling people that God is your light and your salvation. This oftentimes flows through me. It's inspired speech, inspired preaching, where God is literally the spirit of your father speaking in and through you to comfort people, telling people, say unto the righteous, all will be well. The Bible says, you know, in the book of Psalms, there's a plethora of instances of this prof prophetic uh, gifting being used in David's ministry, where he's encouraging people. Though many in bank around you, though many are your adversaries, you should say of your God, He is your crown, your glory, the lifter of your head. That brings edification, it brings exhortation, it teaches you, it trains you, and it brings comfort. The Old Testament prophets 
they operated in this word of wisdom in that they were revealing things to come. Now, where do we see that happen? Well, in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 53. He's referring to the Messiah that would come, that he would not have any form or, or state of appearance that we should look on him. Yet, he was bruised for our iniquity. He was pierced for our transgressions. He's talking about the, 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 the Via Della Rosa, the, the path Jesus took to the cross, and then ultimately his crucifixion. And then by his stripes were healed. Remember, in Isaiah's day, being whipped was not a form of, uh, of torture. It wasn't a form of punishment. That he was referring to a day that would come where Jesus... Um, would ultimately be whipped in his back, pierced through in his hands. They didn't know any of, any of that. Crucifixion wasn't a form of, of, of execution in those days. He was referring to that, that first century, that first century, or I think it's from the year 200 BC and onward, they started to implement crucifixion as a form of execution. Isaiah wrote this in 700, 780 BC. So that was a function of the word of wisdom. It is a fragment of God's hidden wisdom that's revealed to man. Number two, the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is a special gift. I want to read this in Second uh, Kings chapter 6. This is a, a uh, very vivid or a very real example of this, this gift operating through an Old Testament prophet. Second Kings chapter, chapter 6. If you're just tuning in now... You'd encourage me if you'd share the broadcast, help us get the numbers out, uh, get, the, get the people up to more, to get the broadcast out to more people. Numbers being up means more people being impacted. And that's a good thing. That's a very good thing. Second Kings chapter 6, listen to this. Now the king of Syria is making war against Israel and he consulted with his servants saying, my camp will be in such and such a place. And the man of God sent to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you don't pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down that way. And the king of Israel sent someone to the place of which the man of God had told him. Thus he was warned, and he was watchful there, not just once or twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was greatly troubled by this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, Will you not show which one of you is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. And he said, go and see where he is that I might send and get him. And it was told him saying, surely he is in Dothan. Therefore he sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came to the city by night and surrounded it. If you move on, it's a powerful, you know, the story, the whole story is very powerful. But I want to focus on the first couple of verses of this story. The king of Syria Made perp set it in his heart to make war against Israel, and he consulted with his servants a strategy of war it, behind closed doors. It's not like they did this on Facebook, and everybody knew about exactly what he was about to do. They did this behind closed doors. They did this in a secluded space. But the Bible says by the word of knowledge that Elisha almost had ears to hear. He's like a bug in that room. He knew exactly the strategy, exactly where they were going to show up, what path they were going to take to come and surround Israel. And as such, he was able to warn the king of Israel. And Israel now had a plan, a strategy of defense, so that every time the king of Syria tried to wage war against them, their plans and their plottings failed and came to naught. All of this came as a result of the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge is extremely important, not only... Uh, not only to keep you from, from demonic attacks or 
what the enemy is trying to plan up or strategize against you. But it gives you now an ability to set up a defense system. The Bible says a wise man foresees evil. By the word of knowledge, you're able to foresee evil and as such, hide yourself or protect yourself or plan accordingly. I can tell you a story of a man of God I know. He uh, had a worker working for his ministry and he was plotting with a, a woman to rob him. He had a bunch of uh, chairs that he had for his 10 crusades uh, stored up in a house, a warehouse somewhere. And this, this worker that obviously, you know, was uh, not operating by the Holy Ghost, was planning to steal the, the chairs and sell them elsewhere. He was going to rob the warehouse and sell them elsewhere. Or I don't know if he was going to sell them or use them. I don't know what the heck he was going to do. But he was going to rob the warehouse that was housing all these chairs. And so the man of God one day was praying and he saw by the Spirit the man in the car with a woman that wasn't even his wife plotting this thing and planning this thing and strategizing to, 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 to rob them. And so he called him after he saw that vision. He said, you, you mind coming over? He showed up to the house, opened the door, and he said, he showed him exactly uh, the, the conversation that he had privately with that lady in his car. And he said, you've lost your job, obviously. But imagine if he didn't have that gifting working through his life. What would have happened? He would have been robbed. He would have gone to try and prepare and set up things for his next crusade and not had any chairs to do it and have to have been, believe God for a new set of chairs. Instead, God preserved him, God protected him because of the word of knowledge. I mean, look at Gehazi. Elisha heals Naaman the leper, the Syrian man, of his leprosy. And Naaman says, I'm going to give you a gift. I've brought chariots of gold. Please accept this gift. He says, no, don't confuse me for some warlock. I don't do this for money. I do this for God. And so he sent him onward. And uh, Gehazi, who was consumed by greed, went by himself afterwards, caught up to, get to Naaman and said, look, there's two men that came from a distant journey. They need clothes. And so if, you, if the offer still stands, I'll take those things off your hands. And so he gave it to him. When Gehazi returned to the house, Elisha said, didn't my eyes go with you? Didn't my eyes go with you? Didn't I see everything you just planted, you, you, you just did? You think you were doing this? secretly you thought you were doing this and nobody the eyes of the lord are in every place keeping watch on the good and the evil and through the word of knowledge elisha was able to see the evil taking place and act accordingly and he said the the leprosy that was clinging to naaman will now cling to you and immediately some white stuff formed on his hands and he was leprous from that day onward the word of knowledge is a, i mean i i've had this function in my ministry where i'll be preaching and then there's a, I remember one specific time, there was a lady on my left side in the auditorium and she was just highlighted in my sight. So I called her out and as I was walking towards her, I didn't know what I was going to say. I, called, I just did it out of obedience. As I walked towards her, it's like everything that she was struggling with started downloaded into my spirit. She had OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. I didn't know her. I never met her in my life. Someone, she had never even entered into the church before. So first time in church, someone brought her. 
I start talking about the OCD she has. I start talking about her daily routine and rituals, everything she's been doing and how it's been weighing her down. She's weeping out. Before, she thought, you know, this was just an energetic preacher. He was a good, passionate guy, really passionate about this Jesus fella. Now, you know, 1 Corinthians 14 says that when these gifts manifest, people will come in and fall flat on their face, worshiping God, reporting to everyone else that God is truly at work amongst you. That's what the gifts are for. It's to show people. We don't just have a message. We carry power with God. So when that happened, she started weeping, laid hands on her. She'd never been in church before. She falls under the power. And then when I went back to that church the next year, her friend that I brought her reported she didn't, have, she didn't have battles with OCD anymore. Totally healed. And that's why I want to say that the gifts of the Spirit oftentimes act like a stone thrown into a pond. It leaves, it, you know, it has that one impact, but then there's like ripple effect. You start operating in one gift, and then another gift is released. So when I operate in the Word of Knowledge, then the gifts of healing begin to be um, manifest that dealt with her her OCD, and then afterwards, prophecy came on, uplifted her, and she got saved that day. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You can see that gift in Jesus' ministry, ministry. John 4, he goes to the well at Samaria, and there's a woman there drawing water. He says, woman, can I have some water? She said, you know, I'm a woman from Samaria. Who are you, a Jew from Jerusalem, talking to me? We have no dealings together. And he said, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who speaks to you, you would ask me for water and I'd give it to you. And she said, are you better than Jacob's well? Our father who gave us this well? And he goes, go and call your husband. I don't have, see, you, you, you guys, you're all false prophets. I don't even have a husband. And Jesus goes by the word of knowledge. The word, so the word of wisdom foretells a futuristic event, event that's going to happen. The word of knowledge reveals to men a specific piece of knowledge that could not be known any other way it's not something it's not me looking at you and deciphering for myself you know you must be struggling with these things it's not me going to someone who literally has a tumor sticking out of their like arm and me saying you know it looks like you have a tumor sticking out of your no that you can see that's not the word of knowledge anybody could have come up with that it's not you know, being able to discern somebody's situation because of your detective skills. It's not being a good detective. It's not being observant or vigilant. It is a piece of information that God puts in you that nobody else could have ever known. Jesus says, who never met her before, and it's not like they had Facebook and he followed her on Facebook or Instagram and knew, you know, he'd been following her for eight years and saw the six marriages that she'd been in or the five marriages. She'd, he, he goes, You've spoken right in that the man you're now with is not your husband. You've had five husbands, but the, not, the man you're, not with, you're now with is not your husband. And she goes, sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. So what happened? By the word of knowledge, it opened up her heart to receive everything else Jesus would tell her. She goes back into the village and says, come and see a man who told me everything that I've ever done. Did Jesus tell her everything that she had ever done? No, he just gave her one word of knowledge. But that opened up her eyes to see this guy wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a teacher. You know, the Muslims believe that Jesus was a prophet. They even call him prophet Jesus. They believe he was a teacher. Actually, there are a lot of mosques that have the word Jesus in it. In, in, in Arabic. They, they respect him. 
as a man of God, but they don't know him as the son of God. What made, what separated Jesus from the rest of the prophets was because there were these gifts and this anointing and this power flowing through him. Moses said, if your presence and your power doesn't come with me, how are we going to be distinguished from every other people group on the earth? But if your presence comes with us, we too will march on forward. These gifts separate us from the rest of the flock. These gifts distinguish us on the earth. These gifts show the world that our God is not a God amongst gods. Our God is not an idol. Our God is not theology or philosophy or the work of man's hands. Our God is the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And like Elijah preached, God show this day that you are God and besides you there, are, there is no other. And when he prayed that, fire fell and consumed the altar. That's what the gifts of the Spirit are. It's the all-consuming fire of God going to work, showing this generation that there's none like Jehovah. So what happened? That woman gets saved and then the whole of her village gets saved through one word of knowledge. You want to know another word of knowledge? Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira sell their plot of land for such and such a price. They come before Peter and they say, we've sold our land for such and such a price and here are the profits from it. Peter looks at, by the word of knowledge, God had revealed to him that that wasn't the number. That wasn't the amount of money they took in for that property. There was actually more money. That's the word of knowledge. It's not like Peter was their accountant. He didn't know anything in the natural. But by the word of knowledge, he had access into things that are not normally known. And what happened? Did you really sell your land for such and such a price? Yes, we did. Ananias, I gave you three strikes. You're now out. And he was wiped out. You see it in, in, uh, in the book of Acts. You can see the gifts of uh, the word of knowledge in operation through Peter and Cornelius. Acts chapter 10, Cornelius is praying and he receives in a vision, a visitation of an angel who tells him, send men to Joppa to a house of Simon the Tanner for a person called Peter. And he'll tell you words by which you must be saved. It's not like he had, you know, geolocation on Peter. He had no idea who Peter was. This guy was a, a notable centurion in the Roman army. And an angel by, gave him a word of knowledge. There's a, go, don't just go to Joppa. When you go to Joppa, it's specific. And you can grow in these gifts. I want you to understand that too. You can grow in these gifts. You don't have to... You know, there's some people who operate at a high level of the word of knowledge, and then others, you know, it's very vague, very basic. It still works, but it's at like level one. There's some people I know, I remember being in a meeting with a, an evangelist. He called someone out. He was going into the exact pinpointed problem in their lungs. Exactly the problem. Now, there could be a bunch of problems someone has in lungs. He went to the exact problem clogged arteries right here and that doctors told you it, it would never get better unless you and then, you know you can see how, how that works she you know i remember visibly that uh, vividly that lady starts bawling her eyes out and then you think she had any problem believing god for a healing after god through the man of god just revealed the specific problem 
that nobody else knew, that he could not have known? No. It's, that's what the word of knowledge does. It steers up faith to believe God for the healing, to believe God for the breakthrough, to believe God for the miraculous. Cornelius gets exact, Ananias is praying. And the Lord says, go into the city called, uh, go into uh, the, the street called Straight, into the house of a certain man. There's a, a guy named Saul, and behold, he's praying. He didn't just know where Saul was. He knew what Paul, uh, Saul was doing at that very, Saul who's called Paul, what he was doing at that very exact moment in time. That's the word of knowledge. Number three, because I got to get through these. Number three is the discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits is not the gift of discernment. It's not the ability to criticize everybody that comes your way. That is not the gifts of, uh, uh, that is not the discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits is not your ability to analyze people and read people. That's not what the discerning of spirits is. The discerning of spirits, remember, it's the discerning of spirits. It's God's unveiling of your eyes where you're now able to see into the very spirit of man and understand what spirit is manipulating or influencing his actions that he's doing now, whether good or bad. So it's when God allows you to see into the spirit realm. When the veil of the spirit world is taken out and you're able to see into the spirit world and understand what spirit specifically is influencing a certain, a certain person. Acts chapter 13, we see this at work. The Bible says that Paul and Barnabas are preaching to Sergius Paulus. And there's a man there called Elymas, for so his name was translated, Bar-Jesus, a false prophet, who was seeking to turn Sergius Paulus away from the words of the faith. But Saul, being called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke to Elymas, and he understood. This guy was not just, he wasn't just some like atheist that was against, against the gospel. You know, I don't believe in that. So Sergius Paulus, please, let's stay clear from this message. It's really going to harm our politics. And if you associate with guys like that, it, it wasn't some political thing. There was a demon at work. And though Sergius Paulus might have had that guy by his side for years and years, he never saw that there was actually demonic manipulation at his side. There's a lot of people, maybe even watching right now, you have friends, people that you think are friends. Every time you talk to them, they bring you down, they sag you down, they drag you down. And you think they're just, you know, they're just pessimists. And some of them might very well be pessimists, but others might actually be a demonic assignment that the enemy's using against you to make sure you stay in the pit of depression. Paul looked at him, looked at him and said, you full of the devil. Well, Paul, could you really say that? We're supposed to be Christ-like. We're supposed to walk in God's God's love towards people. How could you say that? Paul obviously did not understand the message of grace because nobody who understands the message of grace would ever talk like that concerning another human being. He was operating by a, in a hateful spirit. That's not what's, what the Bible says. The Bible says, Paul said, you full of all the devil and all deceit, you enemy of all that is right, Will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? Behold, the hand of God comes on you, and you'll be blind for a time not seeing the sun. The sun. Could Paul really do that? Um, you know, these guys, if they really knew who God was, they would never pray prayers like that. 
There are prayers called prayers of imprecation. And they're prayers against the wicked. Throughout the book of Psalms, throughout, I mean, in Acts chapter 12, the early church was praying against Herod and an angel of the Lord struck him with worms. That's not, when you're a sinner, we don't pray prayers against sinners. We pray prayers for sinners to get them saved. When you are a wicked person, when you're operating by, by in cahoots with demonic agents and entities and you're willfully giving yourself over to fulfill satanic assignments you've left the realm of just being a sinner you are now operating in the highest form of wickedness acts chapter 16 there's a woman who's a fortune teller who's possessed by a spirit of divination paul knew acts chapter 16 this lady doesn't tell the future because of um of the holy ghost she knew he knew it wasn't the holy spirit leading her to foretell the future he knew it wasn't the a human spirit that was enabling them to do that because it's impossible for a human to know we're finite in mind and understanding the bible says this lady was possessed by a spirit of divination the discerning of spirits doesn't just you know a lot of people you you get around someone and you feel like a check in your spirit something's not right with them that's like level one of the discerning of spirits when you start to grow in this specific gift you don't just know something's not right with someone you understand what spirit exactly is flowing through that person what demonic entity is manipulating that person and as such you're better equipped to deal with the situation at hand paul being vexed in spirit looked looked to the, um, the, the, the slave girl and said, I adjure you by Jesus Christ, come out of her and never enter her again. And she was delivered. So because of the discerning of spirit, she was able to discern, uh, Paul was able to discern the specific spirit at work. And as such, he was better equipped to deal with it and cast it out. We see the discerning of spirits in, uh, in the book of 1 Kings chapter 22. There's a prophet called Micaiah. And Micaiah was a prophet who, who was a, shoot, a straight shooter. And in the midst of a bunch of false prophets that were prophesying good to the king and that he should by all means go after the Midianites because he's going to overtake them and have victory even though the king was not living right in the sight of God, even though the king was idolatrous, even though the king was not um, doing things right in the sight of God. The false prophets were prophesying good, prophesying fortune, prophesying prosperity and whatnot and victory. And so he summons Micaiah and the servant of the king says, when you go up before the king, you tell him. You tell him exactly what the other prophets have been speaking. You tell him it's going to be well. You tell him he's going to have the victory. You tell him that, things are, that God's got his back. Micaiah says, all that the Lord tells me, I'll speak. He goes before the king. And he actually ends up the first time saying, all, everything's going to be all right. And he's, you know, I don't even want to get into a fight with this guy today. And he just tells him, go, God's going to give you the victory. The king realizes this guy's blowing smoke. And he says, how many times do I have to tell you, Micaiah, stop deceiving me. Tell me exactly what God is saying. And Micaiah opens up his mouth and he says, uh, let me read it actually. First Kings chapter 22. Micaiah says, therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw Israel scattered on the mountains as the sheep that have no shepherd, and these have no, ma no master. Let each return to his house. And so the king ends up getting mad at him now because he didn't prophesy good. And he says, didn't I tell you that you should not, that you should, uh, didn't I tell you all that he would never prophesy good concerning me, but he only ever prophesies evil? And Micaiah said this, listen to this. This is the discerning of spirits. Micaiah said, hear the word of the Lord. I saw. I was able to discern. 
I was able to see the veil of the supernatural was taken out of its place and I was able to perceive in my spirit the Lord sitting on his throne and on and all the host of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said to me, who will persuade Ahab to go up that he might fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one spoke in this manner and another spoke in that manner. So Micaiah said, I saw a council being taken, uh, taking place in heaven. I saw a meeting. There was a, there was a, a business meeting taking place in heaven. But then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. The Lord said to him, in what way? So he said, I will go out and I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and also prevail. Go out and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all these prophets of yours. And the Lord has declared disaster concerning you. So you see here, Micaiah was able to discern that these prophets were operating by a lying spirit. And not by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit guides into all truth. And a lying spirit will always guide you into deception and lies. And just like a telescope, you can aim it towards heaven. And it can see into the skies and read the stars and whatnot. And just like a CAT scan can discover and read uh, past the flesh into the physiology of man. The discerning of spirits allows us to see Behind the closed doors into the very spirit of man. What spirit is manipulating that specific individual? And remember, there's three, there's three spirits mainly that can operate. And, uh, and there's three spirits that this gift will allow you to discern. Number one is the spirit of God. Number two is the spirit of angels and the heavenly hosts, archangels. Actually, I believe it was um, Howard Carter. I have a quote right here. Howard Carter said, let me find this quote. I wrote it down because I didn't want to forget it. Howard Carter said of the discerning of spirits, it is a gift by which the possessor is enabled to see into the spirit world. And through this insight, he can discern the similitude of God, the risen Christ and the Holy Spirit, the cherub, the seraphim, the archangels and the regular angels, and also Satan and his legions. Most people, they love to focus on the discerning of spirits when it refers to the evil part of it. Satan, his e uh, demons, fallen spirits, fallen angels and whatnot. But this gift also, there's a positive sense to it. Where you can discern angels. You can discern God's spirit flowing in a service. You can discern God, God's move. And this, this specific gift is important to clear out pulpits, from false doctrine and false prophets. And it's, it's almost like a protective gift for the church. I, I was listening to a, a lesser someone. He told a testimony of he was preaching. Oh, no, he wasn't preaching. He was just attending a prayer meeting on a Wednesday night at a specific uh, church in a very small town. And in that, in that prayer meeting, it was like an, people were engaged. And all of a sudden, when there was like a quiet, this lady took opportunity and stood up and began to say, I am sent by God as an evangelist to this town. We are to begin revival meetings tonight. And uh, God will bless you for it. And nobody, nobody is to, to, to hesitate. Nobody is to contest with me. I'm sent by God and we're to have revival meetings starting tonight. And nobody should stand in my way. When she was done speaking that, 
Listen, Summerall said there was like a cold vibe that just entered into the room. People knew that she, there was something wrong with her. A woman that was had her head down praying stood up and said, Thus saith the Lord, you are not from this town. You're from St. Louis, Missouri. And you're a harlot who works for a pimp. And you've come to this town and told your pimp to get out of you know, having to sleep with anyone, you've told your pimp, I can get more money without sleeping with anybody if I'll just deceive. I grew up in church. I know how to deceive the people and make them to think I'm sent from God. And I'll collect offerings. You'll get more money at the end of that week than if I had, if I had worked the streets every night. And if you, and the, the lady goes on to say, if you don't leave this church in this town right now, you will drop dead. She ran out of that place. <laughs> And a, a great move of God hit that, that prayer meeting and the people were blessed from it. So that's, those are examples of the, the discerning of spirit in real life. I mean, these are practical gifts. These are practical tools. These aren't things we just read about. We can have these things functioning in our own lives to protect us, to make sure we're not in the wrong, to make sure we're not listening to bad doctrine. And uh, they'll help you. Remember, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. The manifestation of the gifts are given to each man for the profit of all. These gifts bring profitability. These gifts are there to help us. I want to go into, man, maybe I won't do this this week. I'm going to do this on Tuesday. Because if I get into the power gifts now, we're never going to end this broadcast. That's part one of activating the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Part one of acting, activating these gifts in your life. So how do, we, how do we activate these specific gifts that I've talked about today? The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the discerning of spirits. Well, I can tell you by the word of knowledge, a lot of people are just waiting to, uh, to receive some, you know, some word of knowledge while they're just praying and, just, and, and it's just going to fall on them as they're... They're just praying about who knows what and God knows what. They're just randomly God's going to show them a person and this and that, a place. That's not how it works. The word of knowledge will come when you're praying about a specific person. It, it starts, it gets activated first and foremost when you're praying about a specific person, a situation, or a scenario, or a circumstance. What do I mean by that? You're not going to get a word of knowledge for somebody that you don't even care for. You're not going to get a word of knowledge for somebody that, uh, you know, it's it, a word of knowledge is not a word of gossip. The word of knowledge is not you being curious as to what's going on in that person's life. So you're not going to get it if, you have, if you're not even going to step out to deliver the word of knowledge. And then secondly, to do something about it, to help them. God doesn't just give these gifts. Like there's a lot of people, they have the word of knowledge. They can tell you the digits on your debit card and your debit pin and all that. And then when all is said and done... They don't do anything with it. It's just a magic show. These gifts are not magic. These gifts are not some sort of uh, sorcery where we're just trying to wow people. No, these gifts, remember, are to point people to Christ, to salvation, to deliverance, to help. So how do you activate these, these things? One, have a sincere love for your fellow man and woman, for brethren and sistren. Have a love for them. Grow in love. Pray for them. You'll find out when you start praying for people, 
out of your belly will bubble up a specific gift that's going to deal with the problem at hand. In that particular individual's life. So we're not, we're not waving wands around. Getting people to see, oh, we, we must be the man of the hour. Wow, that person really, he, he knows things that I could, that nobody has ever known about me. What, a, what an interesting character. That's what fortune tellers do. You wanna, that's what the counterfeit team does. Fortune tellers, it's to wow people. It's to get people into some hysteria and frenzy. The gifts of the Spirit work to help people. So this is part one. I'm going to get into part two on Tuesday, and we're going to go through the last six, and specifically the power gifts. The power gifts, the gifts of faith, the gift of faith, the working of miracles, and the gifts of healing. And how those things can flow in your life. Melissa watching online right now, the word of knowledge, I remember that service. I called her out, came near her, and she, I had never met her. She, didn't, she doesn't look like, she didn't look like a messed up individual. It's not like she came in with a pentagram tattooed on her forehead. It's not like she came in with like, you know, looking like an emo with like her hair cut like this and black eyeliner and, you know, you can see on her wrist she had done self-harm. Like, I didn't know anything about her. But by the word of knowledge, uh, things started to come to my spirit. And then that showed her that, you know, this wasn't just some frenzy. This wasn't just some show. Remember, the, word, the gifts of the spirit are not for show. They're for service. So she saw this wasn't just a show. This wasn't just some crazy lunatic running around a church platform for an hour and a half preaching only to get people's emotional frenzy up. No, that word of knowledge opened up her heart so that God could then service her and set her back up on her feet. And that was like a year, ago, a little less than a year ago. And she's, she's at every prayer meeting. She's at every, you know, it did something in her. It convinced her of God's love, of God's compassion towards her. It convinced her of God's helping hand. So one, these things are going to flow through you by love. And then number two, these flow through you by, in faith. Many times when I call, see, call people out in my services, I don't even know what the heck I'm going to say. I just feel in my spirit, I feel led to call them out. And as I approach them, then it's like, there's like a download into my spirit as to what they're going through. And then, you know, it, it's, like I said, it's not something you work up. If the word of knowledge is not flowing, then you don't work with it. You don't try and work it up. You don't try and... You don't recreate every service like it was the last. No, you flow. You flow. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound thereof, and you go in that direction. You can only go where the Lord is going. You can only do what the Lord is doing. Jesus said, I could of my own power, of my own initiative, my own will do nothing. Only what I see the Father doing, that I do in like manner. Thank you for watching today. If you're watching right now and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I'd encourage you to do so. Uh, not encourage you. You have to get right with God. It's not an option. It is not an option. Remember, 
Isaiah 119, God didn't, God's plea towards humanity wasn't come and I'm going to show you how life hard is. Come and I'm going to show you what disobedience gets. Come and I'm going to show you how, how much severe punishments I'm going to give you for those vile sins you've done. He said, come and I will reason with you. And though your sins are like scarlet, I'll make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I'll make them white like wool. That same cry is being heard from heaven today. And I pray your ears are open to it. No matter what background you come from, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, no matter what degree of evil you think you've indulged in and you've practiced in life, the blood of Jesus was shed for every nation, every tongue, every tribe, every people. The Bible says he came to his own, but his own rejected him. But to such as received Christ, to them gave he power to become children of God. You have to receive him today. He is a gift. The greatest gift God gave to the world is Jesus Christ. Without him, there's no way to the Father. Without him, we have no passport in heaven. Without him, we're dead in sin. And our efforts to repair the bridge towards God are in vain the redemption of our souls was too costly the Bible says who can say I'm pure from sin who can say I am I have been made clean from sin none but those that have washed in the blood of Jesus Christ there is a crimson flow drawn from Emmanuel's veins that sinners plunge beneath its flow and they lose all their guilty stains it washes you as white as snow there's a song that says what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So if you're watching right now, I want you to pray this with me. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in my heart, God raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. Forgive me of my sin. Wash me clean. I repent. I turn towards you today. Empower me by your spirit to live a holy life. To live for you. Heaven is my home now. God is my father. Old things are passed away. I'm moving forward. I'm a new creature. And I'll never be the same again. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. If you're watching and you prayed that prayer. I want you to go on our website. SalvationNow.ca The first link that pops up is I just got saved. Fill it out. I want to get a gift to you free of charge. We pay shipping. We pay handling. Uh, we're not doing this so we can get your address so we can send you news. We're not going to do any of that. I, I, I'm not even going to keep your address. I just want to send this out to you to help you out in this new adventure with Christ. For the rest of you watching online, let me pray for you. Father, I pray that there would be a flow of these gifts, these three revelation gifts that I've spoken of today, that the next time someone comes to them in need of help, that before they even open up their mouth, Lord, that word of knowledge would be on their tongue. What a precious gift you've given us. By the Spirit, you'd begin to download things into their spirits to make known unto them that which could not be known by the five senses. And as they give that word to others, they would see that you're an intimate God. They would boost faith and boost confidence in your desire and eagerness to help the lost and dying world around them. I pray. Let there be many woman at the well encounters from this day forward in their lives. 
Lord, that as they go out and do the work of winning the loss, it would not be done by natural strength or effort, but by the empowerment of the Spirit through the gifts and the tools and the weapons of the arsenal and the arsenal that you've given us. That what can't be done in, in a thousand years of natural means and methods would get done through an encounter, through these diverse gifts. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online, www.salvationnow.ca. God bless you, and until next time.